I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited for today's conversation because I feel like it is, uh, actually, I feel like it'll be the first time that we dive into this subject matter with, uh, another male. And I also feel like, uh, this is one of those conversations that is going to be, uh, is going to be, it's going to be a challenging one to interject humor into because of the subject matter, uh, in and of itself. Um, and that's Okay. I think what's most important is that this is like this is a, a conversation that needs to happen far more than than it really is today. Um, why don't you Why don't you lay it out for everyone who's listening? What is we're gonna kind of dive into today? Today uh, we'll touch on everything about mental health. Uh, mental health. If you suffer with PTSD, mm-hmm. um, things related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, a past of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. I guess just living, trying to live with things you've locked up and put away. And yeah. I think everybody's done that and resonates with that for yeah. sure. Yeah, especially men. Especially men. You mm-hmm. know, it's like there. There's something uh, to when we started this this podcast. Uh, it, there was a there was a lot of like sophomore dick jokes. Um, and not that there's not anymore, but we've kind of, we've strayed away from it a little bit, but there was a lot. And when we started getting like the metrics of like, who are the people listening, who are tuning in? It was overwhelmingly, it was, it was women. It was like, it was, it's always been like a 75% women listening to the show. Uh, and I I remember at first I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, how does that make sense? Like we're constantly making bald and dick jokes and like. Like we, we might as well be farting into the microphone. Um, and I thought that's like, that's, that doesn't sound like something that I would, I would think that women would want to tune into. And I was talking to my friend, Jen, uh, who's a, who's a big fan of the podcast. And, and we were having this discussion, like, why do you think that is? And she was like, well, I think it's that you guys, you know, you, Brian and Taylor sit down and you, you allow yourselves to be vulnerable and you open up to tough subjects and you just, you're open to like having a dialogue and talking about things that it seems like a lot of men have a hard time talking about. Um, now we, we met a number of years ago. How long ago was that? Like five Five. years ago. Yeah. Um, and people can't see you, but you're like, you're like the, uh, you're pretty much a perfect representation of what like a manly man looks like. You are, you're kind of like <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. Lundgren. Yeah, dude, yeah. Like you're, you basically look like Thor just sans beard. If Thor just woke up and was like, fuck this thing, I'm shaving it. Um, and you, when I met you, you were the same way, but you've always had this like, 
you you you've had you had this sense of of uh, I guess the best word for it is like vulnerability or like you were you were just you seemed so open. You Dude, seemed to so me, willing like, to be this open. Is, this is the first time I've met you, and you just seem like a gentle giant. Yeah, you know, like yeah. a like a genuinely nice, warm-hearted guy who you can have a real conversation with. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and so anyway, this is basically just a long-winded sort of intro into saying that I'm really excited to that you reached out and were like, "Yo, I want to, I want to like put my hand up and dive into the shit of like mental health and PTSD as a man and talk about the things that we aren't talking about." And before we like, before we like, really jump into the um, like your your story. Uh, I know that at the start you said you said we're going to talk about mental health, we're going to talk about um, PTSD and, and sexual abuse. But um, the first one of the first times that we spoke to someone about PTSD, uh, it was it was a really going back to that moment that caused PTSD uh, for our guest was like a really challenging thing to come back to mm. because that experience was a was a trigger for. Um, the emotional stress and, and mental illness that he was dealing with now. Um, so I'm curious to know for you, like, it, like talking about this, is it is that a, a trigger for you? And and like, is there anything that like you really don't want to talk about? Mm. Um, no, I think I think you know part of everyone's healing process is is. Uh, Someone says, like, making friends with the darkest demons. Mm-hmm. And um, um, w- when I feel better is, uh, is if there's, like, a, a, someone being vulnerable in front of me. And so when I can do that and be that, it helps me be more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the more human someone is with me, the easier it is for me to do that. And so um, part of that process, yeah, talking about everything from from A to Z and and getting comfortable with it, and yeah, it starts with yeah. To be honest, it started with writing it down on paper and putting it to like to real words and like watching your hand move and like make it, mm-hmm. and then from there you read it to somebody, and then you make words real, mm-hmm. and then after words are real, then you say those words again, and then stuff might come up, but Every time you do it, it's you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. You got to get it out. It's mm-hmm. got it's got to come out of your your mouth. It doesn't exist because right. otherwise you're you're like holding that within you, and and then that weight is like I almost imagine like viscerally when you're saying that I almost imagine like like it it fe- making you feel like you want to explode like with all these different emotions. Yeah, and like yeah. Feelings the, and the deeper you push it down, the the more it's going to manifest in ways that you just don't fucking want it to manifest. You know, and what happens when it starts climbing back out? Yeah. Oh my God, you shoved it down so deep. Yeah, mm. yeah. The way out's going to be a tricky one. <clears throat> yeah, mm. absolutely. First well, time. But- let's take it back then. Let's take it back to uh, where? How old are you? I am thirty. Thirty yeah. years old. It's a good age to be, right? Yeah. It feels good to be thirty. Yeah, I'm going to feel like this forever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's take it back to where, like, where, what is A? You know, from speaking of A to Z, like, what is A? Where did this all start? Started when I was a youth. I just was alone a lot. Not alone, but um, under the care of other people. Um, and, you know, it's your parents' work and you don't, you're left with different people all the time. So, um, it started with that, I guess, if that's what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, so just being left in other people's care. And to be honest, I feel like um, it's like a, one of those timing and circumstance things. Like, oh, bad things happen to people all the time and bad's relative, but it just ha- happened to happen twice mm-hmm. at the same time. At the same time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Two, like, two, it's twice, two separate people. Yeah. Two separate instances, but, like, within the same, like, year or within the same, like, time period. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was actually, like, ongoing for, at, like, at the same time for, um, I was just, yeah, this is kind of how it happened. Uh, how old are you? How old was I? Yeah, like, around that time. Uh, I was 10 to 12. And was it something that you were, was it at that time in your life, was it something that you understood was like wrong or like not right? Or, or what, what did you, you know, as with, with that young 10 year old mind where you're like, Oh, I guess this is kind of the norm or, uh, I guess if you know, you're like seen and not heard, mm. you don't want to rock a boat. Um, kids, I don't know. You don't like, don't upset anybody. You know, you know, it's wrong, but like what happens when you say it out loud? Yeah, or like, like do you get in trouble. Does it come back on you? Right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 these people tell you, you know, crazy things. And like when you're ten, let's face it, I'll read, believe any super sweet joke on the side of a cereal box, thinks mm-hmm. it's deadly, mm-hmm. and ride that out. You tell mm-hmm. me, I'm gonna believe it. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I guess let's like from that moment, let's fast forward to. When you know you start to become a little more mature, you start to be more aware of who you are as a human. Um, when how does it start to present itself that this was something that like had scarred you or affected you? And, and like like when did you make that realization? Um, I was I guess I, I I through you know the big healing process. You you guess you learned what you did to kind of cover it up. And how you how you tried to to live, and um, it's I I use analogy of just like stitching something in really good because mm. it once it's in there like it, it's going to heal up and there's a scar and you just kind of bury it and then you go forward. So how did you how did you cover it up? Um, to be honest, it was um, communication with your partner at the time. Like you know you have a lot of guy friends, but uh, I am. I'm an emotional guy to begin with. All my friends know that. Mm-hmm. They joke. They call me sensitive. Yeah, yeah, right, sensitive yeah. But it's uh, funny that that's a joke for guys like to joke and like poke fun at someone and call them sensitive when like it it should really it's when it's I like it's one of the most redeeming. Yeah, it's one of the most like beautiful qualities in any human being is someone who's like sensitive and in touch with that. It's so funny because like if somebody says to me that I'm sensitive, I'm like, oh, thanks. Yeah. Like that's so nice yeah. of you. Right. <laughs> there's a big part that's like that's like counter. Uh, that's like against the grain. Yeah, for yeah. For, ma- for male culture a lot. Thor's not sensitive, you know. Like Thor, you don't think of Thor, Thor as, as being sensitive. No, he should be though. But maybe he is with his emotional partner. He maybe, cared, yeah, he cared about right. Hulk recently. Yeah, he he showed some care to Hulk. That's yeah. right. Yeah, there you go. In, uh, yeah. in uh, Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, it was cute. It was a good scene. But no, the uh, the joke was uh, Swade. He put an S in front of my name. And he said, uh, so we'd go out and there'd be some girl, my buddy introduced me, go, yo, that's suede. I'm like, Shh. and she'd be like, suede, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's super cool, Wade. Super cool. Like, <laughs> right. I don't want anyone to know they jokingly call you sensitive, Wade. And so over here, yeah, it's a bad thing. Like, 
I am who I am. So you can you can you can try to not be it, but that's did you fun. feel that way? Did you feel it as like a neg as like a negative thing growing up, like being being known as being sensitive? Were you like God? Stop. It, it saying wasn't that. you know. It wasn't till like uh, till you're in high school. I guess you don't have those meaty <laughs> conversations mm-hmm. with your bros. You're just so dived into every game and every practice and and that's what I did forever and in fact the moment any of this stuff came up was was the moment I stopped moving my body and I stopped doing the sport mm, and right. keeping my heart active so you'd say that you would you say that you know sport and and being physically active was one of the coping mechanisms for you to like not deal like you know, emotionally or mentally deal with the trauma that you'd gone through? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Yeah. What did, was, what did you, what, what did you play? What were your, I didn't, I play and I'd prefer to make a contact to be truthful. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever sport we were playing was like the contact version is fun. Yeah. yeah. Contact tennis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, was, uh, yeah. Like soccer, football, basketball, yeah. track. Yeah. Right. Contact yeah. track hurdles. Is there like, is there a, uh, this is literally like hurtling look, look, the across away from you. <laughs> yeah. Is there a degree of uh, <clears throat> is there a degree of almost like uh, of almost trying to like erase it, erase those experiences from your mind? Like like uh, like I don't know, subconsciously trying to actually forget that it that it had ever happened. Well, I did that. I successfully like did that. So for sure, 100%. like there was a period in your life where it might as well have never happened. Like on the surface, it. I, in fact, I almost didn't. I could like. It didn't come up. I like found a way to kind of just keep Skirt it non- around it, keep it non-existent. Mm-hmm. And if there was a trigger, it was so serious that I was able to just like shut it down and go back to this. I call it a fake life because you're you're not really living if right. you yeah. There's all this shit that wants to come up, and you have to be the you have to be this very specific type of person or be this very specific way to make sure that it doesn't, which is then in turn making you the person that you aren't. Yeah, you, you know, I wanted to be safe and look after myself, and you always want to make sure that you have that capacity. So mm-hmm. you always you do whatever you need to do to look after yourself. Uh, so sensitive, Wade, coming up. Were you? <laughs> oh, were you? Were, were you? Did you harbor a lot of anger? Or did you uh, feel like? Did you have a temper growing up? Mm, temper? No, I don't think it would. It would, it would come out in the uh, in the moment. Passionate. That's a good word. Yeah. ADHD. Yep. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah, passionate and the anger all came out in, in sport. <clears throat> right, right. Oh, so absolutely, you could be vicious. Yeah. If you had a stick or whatever, your lacrosse stick or something, you didn't need anything. Yeah. You got to be physical and be in your body and that you didn't realize that you you're held on to that. I was very much that way as well. And, uh, and I found that it was, that that was like the appropriate place for that to happen because that can come out in, in outside of sport. And if it does, that can be bad. That can be very bad. Yeah. And like that never really happened for me. And I, and like looking back at at my upbringing and kind of my suppression of of who I really who I really was versus uh, versus who I was pretending to be more or less, um, and and noticing that the frustration of that when you look back and you actually analyze it and you go, oh, well, that came out on the ice. Like that, that suppression of that, it, it came out on the ice, which was the right place for it to happen. Cause like you could go out there, it happened within like the parameter of these rules with referees mm. and it's not happening like on the on field the or on the street at yeah. school or out in public. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear, you, you know, when you hear about, um, 
an athlete or somebody that suffered from sexual abuse at some point, it's, uh, it's so, it's, it's so confusing for me to hear because I actually found reprieval in my coaches. I spent so much time with them Mm -hmm. that they were that bit of family. Um, there was, you know, you talk about going to the gym and unplugging and, and, and being there, you could be under someone's care that cared for you Mm -hmm. and, and have you be in your body the entire time. Well, that's a good place to be, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you, uh, did you like, does anything, like, do you know, um, in the, on the topic of like athletes and stuff and sexual abuse, did you, uh, did you, have you read about Theo Fleury or like, and are you, does any of that, that stuff resonate? I've read, I read his book years ago. Did any of that stuff resonate with you with? Absolutely. And, and I couldn't, like I said, I just couldn't imagine, you know, those are the people that you know, you, you always wanted to tell, tell mm-hmm. something to those coaches cause you were so close to them and you spent so much time with them, but you didn't, they were like another parent and, and I, I guess I just couldn't imagine how I, that was my escape room. That was, that was my, my good time. So mm. for that to be on the flip side, I just, it's, um, but it, it does resonate with me and I've, I've learned every time it comes up, it, it actually, that was a, that was an early trigger for me for sure mm-hmm. is hearing about it. Like it exists. It's real. Mm. It happened to somebody else. Right. Right, that is was not talked about, especially when I was younger. And was that a beginning for you to start thinking about about, about bringing it back up? Like you said that it was a you, at one point it was a thing where you you it, you pretty much blacked it out for a long time. Was absolutely. was hearing something like Theo? I mean, shit. When did that book come out? I'm thinking like ten years ago. Yeah, about ten ish. Years, yeah. So you're like twenty years old. I mean, is that is that uh, is that a time where you, where you started to hear that and go, holy shit, this is coming back up and this is starting to become real again. Well, at the time, it was just if there was those huge triggers, like you, your body tried to put you back in that other space, and and it just said loud and quick, yeah, that the thing didn't exist, and go into defense mode. Just and then that what well what's defense mode? Well, let's go get in our body and exercise at an unhealthy rate, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah. And so using the little tools I had, I didn't have lots of tools at the time, but I leaned hard on the ones I did have. So, and then my tools grew though. Do you, tools were there grew. were there other triggers? Do you uh, remember? Yeah, I mean, um, <coughs> you know, anything obviously directly related to it, any sort of like um, the content you wouldn't see too much in movies or something like that. But yeah, de- definitely anything. Um, male versus male, or something that was anyone just kind of uh, uh, holding someone under their will. Mm. It always resonated with me. And um, bully stuff, just yeah. bully bully stuff is a huge trigger. Still to this day is probably like my worst one. Mm-hmm. Work really well with it, but mm. you ha- it just identifying them for sure because. Yeah, those moments of anger and those those big triggers that I didn't even know was a trigger. I didn't know it was anything because remember, I, I lived in this life that it didn't exist. Yeah, and so it's something. It's just something that's happening. It's just your body reacting. Mm-hmm. When did it become something that it did exist? You know, when did it be? When did that that shift happen where you started to go? Okay, there's this, some work that needs to be done here. Yeah. You know, you know, it was um, oddly enough. I think it was actually like when I met you. Right. Yeah, it was that whole, uh, um, you know when you say like a space to be vulnerable in? Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. What a vulnerable space. Yeah. So stuff, like you can, you can be honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and your train, when you, when you, when did your training? We, yeah. yeah so we met in Victoria, uh, about five years ago at the <clears throat> Moksha teacher training. 
and uh, you were there with your partner at the time. And I remember, I, like, you know, for anybody who hasn't gone through that experience of a, of a yoga teacher training, uh, especially, uh, you know, there's two, there's like, there seems to be two sort of schools of, of approach to teacher training. There's the one where it's like, uh, I do it once every weekend over, you know, like a six month period. And then there's the, I'm going to an intensive training that's generally like a month long and I'm there every day. And it's like 12 hours a day and it's, you live and breathe that training for an entire month. That's the training that I know. That's the training that I've taken. And that's the training that, uh, Bridie and myself, actually you guys both did that as well. And Bridie and myself, we facilitated those trainings together for a little while through Moksha and to be, to be privy to that from the, from the like, the facilitation um, point of view, it, you really get a chance to see how much of an effect it has on people. You know, like you see people coming to this training and maybe someone's going there because they're like, oh, I just want to deepen my practice. Or someone's going, I've, I've, I've had this midlife crisis. I, I'm no longer going to do my like corporate job. I'm going to become a yoga tr- teacher and, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, you know, and they come into it with this like preconceived notion. And then you've got people that go, I got a lot of demons to work out. Yoga's really helped me. I'm going to go to a teacher training and see what happens. And you know, people are coming in from all for all these different reasons, but no one, I don't think, can really be prepared for what sort of transition, what sort of evolution happens within that 30-day period. And I would say that 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 is that was a catalyst. You know, you and I did the same one, and we, yeah. and we, well, the three of us, me, Wade, and Jeremy did the same one. Brian did one in India, but this is, but a catalyst for us being able to sit down and have these conversations, and probably this, 100%. like, this foundation for us being able to do this. Cause I remember when I did it, when we did our moksha training together, like, the, we did our opening circle, and I remember being so scared to just, like, open my mouth and be like, oh, my name's Taylor, and this is what I'm here for. And over the next, probably the first two or three days, um, one of the facilitators like brought up, uh, uh, brought up like, Hey, I was, I experienced sexual abuse once and I was like, Holy fuck. Like this is so, this is so heavy, but Wrong, like, but yeah. she's, she's saying this right now and she's, she's owning it and she's, she's being very like the strength that she's, that she's saying those words with as if like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm owning this right now and I'm, I'm okay to be vulnerable and I'm okay to tell this to all these like 55 or whatever other people that are here and that I've never met before. And I was like, "Holy shit, dude! That's that's wild." And I, and by the end of the training, I found myself crying in front of everybody while people are talking, and then saying stuff and bawling and opening up and saying shit that I I didn't think I would ever say out loud to anybody. And it really was that that it was that blossoming of like emotional range for for me. And, and how how good does that feel though? Like that that's what I remember. I became from a different training. person. It, and it and it and you. I don't think you can feel more connected to someone than you can when you're able to like say out loud the things that you feel deep, 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 deep with inside of you and be comforted by them and be comforted by the release of that and like be okay with being emotional to that degree in front of a group of people. I just don't think that you can ever be more connected than that. And like, this is how I feel when we have these conversations 
on the show. And this is why, like, I feel like we we've made like lifelong friends in hour long conversations that we've had talking mm-hmm. about this stuff. To mm-hmm. touch on something you just said there is like you know you you're Brian you were mentioning how it feels so good, and and so again coming from that facilitator standpoint. You see, for some people, it, yeah, it's like it feels so good. But then for some people, it's like, this is so fucking intense. There is so much coming up right now. And it's like, I don't know if I the did word, not sign up for this. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I didn't did sign, up for, sign up for this. And, and so I'm curious to know, like, was that, what was your experience with that? The, uh, I was told, you know, I was fortunate enough that um, I was, my partner at the time <laughs> had shared lots of, of experiences um, that, you know, she planned that relaying the information and and everyone says you know there's way more than you bargained for and, mm-hmm. and you know you'll you'll get lots more out of it than you signed up for kind of like your practice you know you showed up mm-hmm. for this and you got you showed up for a and you got b yeah mm-hmm. and it's like okay well it's all right i'm prepared to get more than i bargained for yeah like next level <laughs> yeah. i did yeah. not sign up for any of yeah. that um i yeah didn't didn't plan that i didn't um the mirror was so um, so intense, and you're there for so long that uh, you know you say it feels so good. I think it just finally feels what it's like to to feel like you because yeah. um, you hold these walls up, and and until you can take them down and let that out, it's the walls got to come down to some degree. And that person that holds the space for you, I think they use that word a lot, holding space. Yeah, and yeah, someone yeah. that can do that, they've maybe no one in your life's ever done it for you, and how powerful can that be that person you've only just met a couple of weeks ago with that but you've connected with them and yeah. that thing that came up like you said yeah, yeah i remember like i remember your training and and remember talking to bride about like how staggering it it seemed to be this like this transformation that you were going through and your training was actually full there was a lot of people at your training that were like like holy shit this you know like holding on for dear life through this experience that is just you know like blowing their fucking minds apart. wide open and blowing yeah blowing their minds apart and then trying to like piece that back together you know um man those things shouldn't be called yoga teacher training <laughs> yeah, yeah because like you like you, you come out and you maybe teach a few yoga classes but way more people go into those experiences and come out like Profoundly different in how they feel about themselves and life. Yep, that it's just it's a whole other experience that's so much more than the title. It can be it, that, you know? and the people that and the people that go and teach it allows them to 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 learn how to offer more than do, doing a stretch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so okay. Clearly, that experience was something that was the catalyst for you to now start to truly feel authentic and truly face these these demons that you've been burying so deep how did that how did your life sort of evolve after that time after that 30 day intensive training like what what were what happened to Wade oh man what happened to Wade um well I came home and uh you know they say that you know the world doesn't feel the same and it definitely didn't um I physically made a move across the country. We left left Edmonton and, and stayed in Victoria, and it was amazing. And and uh, once you've cracked that thing open, man, it's it's there's no denying it. It I I, I guess I found myself living. It it kind of half existed again. 
this mm-hmm. this it kept coming up and and I was not the same person. Like your abu- the the thought of your abuse Absolutely. Kept coming up, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and you don't know how to explain it and, and if you've never told anybody because it's not real, how do you explain it to your partner or how do you put mm-hmm. words to this thing? And how do you put words to it? And 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 I don't know, and, and how you feel and and what it's caused and it's just all kind of really confusing. Yeah. And did you go any through? Did you go through? Um, like, did you have a therapist? Like, where where, where oh you found help? Oh my goodness! Did you have some experiences trying to find a a, a therapist or? Uh, yeah, the world's toughest experience is going through the medical system. Yeah, yeah. that was a, that was more of a learning lesson, I think, for me, and just a just an eye opener to to what the resources they try to give you, but. And, you know, everything works different for other people, but what worked for me just wasn't what the, the system could offer. And, mm-hmm. and they tried and it. Maybe, what was that process? Abandoned. Like, take us through that. What, what happened? Well, um, when you, uh, when it's, things became real again, um, you don't really want to live that life. So you deal with suicide and, and things like that. And, and, and you, there's a sane part of you, but there's also this part of you that's, um, reliving things and and it's it's that in those other voices that you're believing and listening to but there's still that somewhat sound part of you so what do you do and you don't know how to drag your friends and family into it and so mm-hmm. you try to go to the hospital like did that once twice 10 times was that going to the hospital saying i'm i'm contemplating suicide yeah it's you just say i i'm not feeling well but i guess the, the, through that whole experience is starting with i remember i remember my you tend to, to to make some familiar faces at the hospital, and in the, in the, it's, it's a small world, jeez. <laughs> and uh, it, you see some of the same faces, and they're like, the, I remember the first time I couldn't even put words to anything why, and I was so just apprehensive, and I didn't even know, like I knew I needed to be there because I didn't know where else to go, and mm-hmm. but you I, just didn't know what to say. I didn't know, yeah, and I didn't know how people were treating me real, and I just had so many. It just I didn't I didn't know it was such a foreign experience, but I guess fortunate enough it it was it was a band aid at the time, um, and then you, know, you speak to a doctor and you do the waiting game, and then they try to give you a referral mm-hmm. to someone that thinks you have something, and then you talk to someone else, and then you get another referral for something else, and it's a it's a long drawn out process. But at the end of the day, I think um, counseling. I mean, did I have a counselor? Absolutely. You, so you found some. You found somebody to talk to that that was helpful. I did. Yeah. Um, the the system counseling all was, you know, they tell you there's an option, but they really heavily um, want you to take medication right. at the same time as you're getting the services. Yeah. And um, medication for me just um, wasn't wasn't working and not something that I wanted to explore. My body was not liking it and so i finally found my own counselor outside of the system and i guess you know that's really what you need yeah um but is there is there like um do you think that you have uh issues with with trust that stem from from your experience as a kid uh totally absolutely um and and i guess the person in the in the the doctor's coat at the hospital with all the white i mean it's it's kind of hard to be that same authentic real mm. you in front of them, right. and you can try, but at the same time, what are they going to do for you? Mm-hmm. Write you uh, something like they're you know that's, that's they're not your counselor, mm-hmm. um, and if if getting it out of your mouth is what you need, then 
you know, when, when you counselor. met your counselor, the, the one outside of the system that you, th- you feel like really helped, um, was it a pretty quick sort of realization that like, okay, yeah, this person and I click, they get what it is that I'm going through and I feel like I can, I can communicate to them or yeah. did it take some time? Was it a bit of a process? Well, I, I, I had tried to, um, and yeah, it was, it was definitely kind of a feeling, a, a trust thing and, and something about somebody's energy and, and being able to hold that space. And once the connection was genuine, you just really believe that the person there really cares for you, mm. then it's, it's easy to be human in front of another human. How mm. often did you go see them? Oh man, I was going, Jesus, as much as the wallet could afford. But at the same time, I, you know, I was really fortunate. My counselor had a sliding scale um, and that really worked for me, but I was going up to three times a week. Holy wow. shit. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. And what were those sessions like? Uh, one hour sessions. Yeah. Um, Emotionally, what were they like? Oh, dude. Is I guess it's it is in hindsight, you know, it's it's what you needed to do. Um, so much just had to had to work through, and and you think it's one thing, but it's not. Like you, you can, there can be a lot of things going on in your life, but you you, you if you can talk through it and and have a good mirror yeah. in, in front of you, it's that was that was what worked for me. Um, no, I shouldn't say what worked. It was it was one of many tools, and I'm just so glad sure. that, that yeah. I, I had well, that. Uh, what just <clears throat> on those sessions in particular, like what, <clears throat> going that frequently too, three times a week. Um, um, <clears throat> what are your feelings emotionally before and after? Like, were you nervous to go or excited to go? Uh, at first, I was like. To be honest, when I was the frequency was really high, I was just dealing with suicide. Mm. I didn't know how to deal with it, and being there was like, yeah, I, I could, I could just be whatever. But it was, I guess, it was like a you, you count down in your head when you when you take it day day by day, mm-hmm. and all you look for is that that next thing to hold on to. So that mm-hmm. initial that initial um, that initial getting into this in, into it with this counselor that was like that wasn't so much like let's unpack let's unpack my childhood. This is more like this is where I am right now and this is what I'm dealing with on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. Because of that, like let's work through this and try to get out of this space where I'm basically going day-to-day wondering what I'm what what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's basically uh, it's, it, um, it's funny you can almost see some people now that, that where they're in that Physically, everything about them, their everything in their life, you can see it's painted on their body that they're living in this. And, and if you, if you're have have a, if you, your stress is that bad and and you you can't deal with it, you can. I don't know. It's almost like I can. You can kind of see it on people's faces sometimes. Mm. Yeah. What, at what point was the word like? What, when was the first time you heard the word PTSD? Sort of like given to you. It's like, hey, you know what, Wade. Looks like PTSD. You know, like when was that? When did that happen? You know, uh, I remember it was. Um, I remember it was one of the labels that the the doctor at the hospital talked about. And as soon as it came up, I was like, Yeah, not I, me. I, I haven't been in a war. Yeah, yeah. right. right. Not military, and I had no connection to it. I mean, you know, but you're also ignorant to it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, someone says, "Do you know what PTSD is?" Everyone's nodding, like, "Yeah, oh, yeah totally." I know. I, I don't. And I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, "No, no, that, I me. just, I didn't." But you know, hindsight, I was also like, "Well, I'm, I'm pretty messed up right now. I kind of, I kind of want a label. 
I right. just I just want something that you can I, understand. I don't, I, yeah, I, parameters. I, don't, I don't know why I feel the way I feel. If you're telling me there's a label to it, all right, now mm-hmm. teach me about it. Because mm-hmm. um, there's like research behind it, and you can look at it and go, okay, well, this is like these are all the walls like within that surround PTSD and. Like this gives you some understanding of why you're feeling the way that you are. Yeah, and and I guess if you ever I, later in the healing process, what happens when you try to communicate to people about something that you're suffering with? Mm. What what do you tell them you have? Mm-hmm. What kind of how how do you describe? What kind of label do you use to? Yeah, I mean that's I, I honestly I it's, you know oftentimes you'll hear people say like well don't fucking label me or like don't put that on me like don't but in in some cases it really. It's it's really valuable for the people around you, the people that are trying to support you. You know, if they can go, oh, oh, it's that. Oh, it's Wade's not just like losing his fucking mind. He's not crazy. He's not, um, you know, uh, irrational. He's suffering from trauma, and this is this is mm-hmm. the answer to why you know A, B, and C is happening. So it's and like here's, here's ways that we can support yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like, and with and with physical illness, like you, we've had we've had people that are like. <laughs> I deal with all this shit and like I don't know what it is and it's like affecting all these parts of my body and I have no fucking clue what's happening and I'm undiagnosed and it's like they're 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 craving a label cuz they're going if I just had the label then at least I yeah. at least I'd stop fucking aching over trying to figure out what yeah. it is like I just I'd know and then I'd have these like I'd have these columns and I'd know that in this column it's all this stuff yeah. and you'd have all these parameters and you'd be able to understand it so much better yeah I think I think like eight years ago when you and you like uh you got the label okay and then you're talking to your buddy about it and you open up to him and you're like yeah well so like I got I got the PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> I got the PTSD. I got the thing. And he's like, "Oh, you got the thing." And they're like, "Okay, like, so like, do I." <laughs> Let's talk about it. But but it's almost like, "Oh, there's this you can put a label to it. You can almost define it and not mm-hmm. and I'm I don't think every I think every single human is different and it's yeah. it's really just a blanket thing to say that you've got some stuff you need to deal with. Yeah. yeah. Um but to kind of having and I guess years later now like just the fact that this is a new thing and people are talking about it. Mm-hmm. You, what happens when you tell your employer that you have PTSD? You tried that eight years ago. Like you, yeah. what? Yeah, it's a little more received. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, it's a it's an open topic of conversation at that point because they try to show compassion, but mm-hmm. then they also instantly are trying to seek more information because. Yeah, are you gonna? Yeah, are you a liability? Yeah, yeah, right. Sick Boy Podcast. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts what is life for you today like how are you you know i feel like this it's one of those things like we'll just let's we'll continue to use the term ptsd like you i feel like it's one of those things that you never get rid of it's always going to be there and it's just a matter of how you relate to it and how you you manage it um how do you relate to it how do you manage it today um I don't call myself like uh, I don't call myself sick. I call myself unique. 
Yeah. And so we all have our unique things that we need to deal with. And so I guess it's like knowing your recipe. Everyone, everyone has different things that they require and I've learned what I need. And so I, it's managing it. To, mm. You're right. It's never something that turns off. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's embracing you. Right? Dude, that's, oh, that's such a brilliant way to look at that because I think that, I think that everyone can identify with that because we all have our own recipes as you said and and like I know for me personally um, I was dealing with um, some anxiety and depression uh, last year and and when I went to the the doctor um, they talked about going to see a counselor but two of the things that my doctor said to me were really important were exercise and mindfulness and I kind of put that in my head and thought okay if I do this more if I do this more I'm gonna feel better and it it worked like I I can honestly say now today that I'm a thousand times happier than I, I was, and there's lots of things that go into that. But those are my ingredients for my recipe that make me feel better. Yeah, like you know, when everyone tells you to go do your work, I remember like I hated hearing that. I'm like, just ugh, someone tell me what it is. Right. No one can tell you what yours is. You mm-hmm. like you'll figure that out. But when you do it, oh yeah, it's sure rewarding. Yeah. What's your relationship to like physically getting into your body and like working out and and that sort of thing? You know, like it, not that it was a crutch when you were younger. No, it was, it was a crutch. Okay, so <laughs> you look at it as a, as a crutch. Absolutely. Sure. Okay. So what is it? What's what is it today? Is it something that you have a more healthy relationship with? Yeah. It. Um. It was. You're looking fucking swole, bro. You're <laughs> looking <not>. jacked as fuck. <laughs> and uh, what are you doing? Can you just give me some tips? <laughs> uh, go get yourself a gym partner that's also a trainer. Hey, this guy. Right here. No, guys, hey, once they, we get back, smarter not yeah, harder, yeah. man. Yeah, right. And like, 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 with the health thing, it's diet. Yeah, yeah. Once, you, once yeah. we once we honestly start putting things in our body that we know is good for us. Mm. So it sounds mm-hmm. healthy. It sounds like you you have a pretty healthy relationship with it today. Yeah, and and you know I I I didn't before before my yoga practice. Yeah, it was this physical thing that I like needed my body. I was always just like a ugh, I had no idea this existed. Yeah, I knew this existed, but. I didn't, so my workout didn't touch on that. You get to yoga, and yeah, I found this thing started flexing that I started enjoying, and same with this thing in your heart and your brain. And then yeah. my workout started changing, and that yeah. I wasn't necessarily craving time to just do that, but yeah. it was time to be with this and to mm-hmm. be with this. And that unplugged time was more important. And it's unplugging still with headphones and lifting weights, but it's a different kind. It's a being more mindful, yeah. but, but still. But that mindfulness, that mindfulness, I think in in <coughs> in like the weight room, also, I think it's it's almost it almost comes from that practice of of yoga. Like when my doctor said to me that I needed exercise and mindfulness, I'm like, great, that's yoga. Yoga is both of those things. It's exercise and mindfulness. But the thing that I learned through practicing yoga is is more of this appreciation for meditation. And how meditation isn't just sitting in a dark room with your eyes closed, cross-legged. It's it's being 100% involved in what you're doing. So, so weightlifting can be meditation. It can be meditative and it can also be an exercise for your brain as long as you're aware of that or in touch with that. And for me, that came from a practice of yoga. Mm. Mm-hmm. It is. A, it is a fascinating. It's a fascinating. Uh, it's a fascinating practice in the way that it can be immensely physical and it can be immensely emotional and intellectual. 
and spiritual. Like it can sure, be, it can be, yeah. so, it can be so many of these things wrapped wrapped up into one. And I feel like that's, I feel like as uh, as somebody who came from like a really athletic background, I feel like all of us came from an athletic background. Mm-hmm. It's like we all had that like really physical piece growing up, like that physical go out contact sports, whatever it was, competitive sports, and then and then going like, oh, there's this other thing here where like where you can learn to be yourself at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> what my like one of my favorite uh aspects of teaching yoga was was being at a, you know, especially at a hot yoga studio, you get so many people that enter the room going I'm here to shed that weight and get that beach bod. Like I'm here for the like I'm here for the superficial. I'm here I'm coming here to look good. Yeah, I came, and, I came for the workout. Yeah, totally. Yeah, right. like, yeah. oh, you, oh, you sweat? Oh, you sweat like that? Absolutely. Oh, shit. Like, summer's coming. I'm fucking going. I'm going to go do that. It's like, new year, new me, starting today. And you get these people that come in. 30-day challenge. And, and they're there for that. And and you watch them, and you go, okay. All right, let's say, you know, um, Jim comes in. And, and you can tell Jim is there for that. And Jim goes to his class, and he comes out, and he's and you see it. You go, he really liked that. He's going to come back, right? He thinks he's liked it because he got a really good sweat on and he's like, I'm going to get the thing that I want to come here for. This is like, I'm going to, I'm going to achieve what I came here for. And Jim comes back the second day and he comes back the third day. And then you watch, you know, as a teacher, you're watching this, this man slowly start to get into his practice. And by day 30, he shed those pounds. He's looking good. He's ready. He's for the got beach. that beach bod and he's good to go. And that's my favorite part. Now he, he, <laughs> by day 30, you see, a, you see this, like he relates to it completely different than differently than he did when he first walked in, which is he's going, Oh, I get it. I get it now. It's far more than just, this superficial coming in here to sweat. It's, I am literally, I'm literally in tune with my physical body and how it directly relates to myself and my mind, my consciousness. You know, it's really interesting. It's, I, it's I, so fucking cool to watch. Like, I, know, I know that you're using a, you're just using a generic, a generic person that happens to be a guy, but I don't know if you guys noticed this, but and there's a, a much higher number of, of, of women to the ratio of women to men is much higher yeah. on the women's side. But <clears throat> I tend to see that the you're so much more likely to get a, if you get a guy and a girl to come into the studio, it, it seems to me that it's so much more likely for the guy to get really attached to yoga practice. Mm-hmm. Like guys get guys tend to, you get far less of them through the studio, but they when they tend, come in and that hook gets, when that hook sinks in, good luck getting it out. Because there's so deep. many yeah. guys that have gone through their entire life, yeah. and if they, like, yeah. and what you get from a yoga practice, they've never seen it before in their lives. And it's like, whereas, you know, again, making a generalization, but women are more exposed to that over their lifetime than men, like having a, a larger emotional range, I, th- I think, mm. on average. And you get these guys coming into the studio, and it's like. They just get so like hook, line, and sinker because they're like, "Holy fuck, this yeah. is like, this is yeah. not what I, this is not what I signed up for." Yeah, and and, and at the teacher trainings, at the teacher trainings, like facilitating, you see a lot of those men show up at the teacher trainings where they're like, you know, like ex Navy SEAL dude covered in tattoos and is like, 
He's like, yeah, man, I went to my first yoga class like, uh, like it was, I don't know, six months ago, and I'm fucking hooked, bro. And then you, you and you, you're like, this guy's in. This guy's already hooked, and you can see he's like, he's like, I'm, I'm touching on things that I've never even like th- imagined I'd ever would. And then you watch him evolve through the teacher training, and he's like. Slowly this, becoming it, a redneck. When he comes out afterwards, and there's like this, there's this, this like, this immense softness to what what originally even walked in then when he was ready, when he was ready to like take that that leap into a teacher mm-hmm. training. You know, it's I, I don't know, man. It's 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 one of those things that I think a lot of people look at, and I'm saying yoga is one of those things that I think a lot of people still look at and go. Yeah, whatever. It's like this, like fluffy fucking workout or whatever. But it, it there's so much. It's just it's so transformative. Like mm-hmm. it, it can be. It can be so transformative. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, curious. We just went off there um, <clears throat> with like like the results that you saw through therapy, and then also your experience with um, um, being in that that like yoga like like almost like in a sharing circle i guess and discovering yourself there like how do you how do you kind of relate those two experiences the one where you're just kind of sitting around with a group of people that you feel connected with talking about what you've gone through and then also talking to uh, a counselor what is your relation between those two um the relation between the counselor and the relation between do you kind of like look at it as therapeutic in in the same sense, or is it a different experience? And 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 why? Like, is there? I guess what I'm trying to to ask is, does it serve the same purpose, or are they two different things that are are equally as beneficial in their own separate ways? I don't I don't know if maybe I, I use a, a term that just resonates with you, but in you know that sharing circle, everybody's holding the space. It's not one person, mm-hmm. right? Well, when it's one-on-one, it just happens to be the other person's doing a lot of holding and you're doing a lot of spilling. Giving. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, um, but how powerful is it for 50 people in a room to be doing that? Yeah. How, how supported do you feel that way versus this one person in front of you? So yeah, and that immense sharing circle you're gonna mm-hmm. get some cool stuff that comes up because there's an amount of support in that room that you'll i don't think people ever feel in their entire life mm-hmm. that's pretty cool do you feel like that influence um like your ability now to have conversations with like friends about what you've um gone through yeah like um i did some group counseling and so that was you know me being in a room with a bunch of other people who had some other to talk about yeah. and, and being in that space and seeing someone be real when it's tough for them and seeing someone be real that's mm. it's it's easier to try to do it yourself and um, you don't hold on to what they say but it, they're you know them spilling their beans is is them also holding the space for you because mm-hmm. it leads that leads the way because you mm. have the opportunity to do it right I've been I've been really interested in this um, idea of like uh, being really vulnerable in the sense that uh, we we hear people say like that they don't they're afraid to talk about something that has been challenging for them because they don't want to make other people feel bad, and oh, I yeah. just I just don't see it that way. And I've said this like three times in the last week, but but twenty four hours when yeah. you're yeah. when when you come and like share your experience with me, for example, I feel. Um, I feel like it's way more of a positive experience because you trust me enough to like come and and talk about something that 
you know, has deeply impacted you. So instead of me feeling like, oh, fuck, this is really heavy for me. Why are you sharing this? I'm more like, oh, thanks for confiding in me. I'm here for whatever you need. You make me feel better. And now hopefully you in turn also feel better for shedding that weight off of yourself. So I kind of see it as more of this thing that is like mutually beneficial rather than something that is like life sucking. And I just don't understand why we don't do it more because there's like all of this like stigma around, you know, talking about challenging shit like this. Yeah, the lead up, man. It's the lead up. Mm. And that's kind of what we keep on going back to is it's like, <clears throat> it seems like it's the lead up to the conversation or the lead up to opening your mouth. And then it gets, and I mean, it's something that you, you, you said it right in the very beginning. It's like where you were, where you were coming around to it. You were like, I, I'm thinking about it. And then I'm, then I put it on paper and it becomes more real. And then I speak the words that I put on the paper and then that brings up more stuff. Like, and, and I'm assuming that there's a, that there's a progressive ease that comes with those with those steps. Every, yeah. Every time you have the opportunity to share it with somebody, it does get easier. And I know that sometimes I've had people share things with me that they have no idea how much I took away from it. Mm. And you can tell them till they're blue in the face, but they're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when someone's vulnerable in front of you and it resonates with you, that's that stuff we don't always hear. And it makes it so much easier to, to say it out loud. And if that's what helps the person next to you and it helped me mm. what, like why are we not doing it mm-hmm. so out of all of this like the, this entire experience from A to Z what would you say that your your struggle with, with PTSD has has taken away from you what has it taken away from me yeah um, taking too long to deal with it man mm-hmm what would you say is the biggest thing it's given you? Well, I dealt with it, so I live today. Mm. Choose to live every day. Mm-hmm. For me, because I want to. Life's beautiful and short. It could end any day. Mm-hmm. Suede! Coming in, <laughs> coming in with the fucking knowledge. Well, I, I used to want, like, want to take my life. Mm-hmm. That's a... That's not a fun thing to live with every day. No. But if you, like, life is as beautiful as you make it. Yeah. Every day. Cool. Someone told me a cool thing about being a human is that we have the ability to change our life 360 degrees tomorrow. We, like, we're the mm. captain of our ship. Mm-hmm. If you don't like how this is going today, guess what? Tomorrow, when we wake up, we can turn our life upside down. It can be as amazing as we make it. Yeah. I lived when I I chose to not make it amazing, and it's it's been a long road, man. But mm-hmm. you know the I feel very fortunate. And why do we not like? I, I, you see your other friends struggling. However many years it took them to talk about it, how do you wish you could be there more for them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk about it, man. Mm-hmm. I think that this conversation is going to uh, is going to be super beneficial for a lot of people that tuned in. And for that, I want to just give you so much uh, thanks. So grateful to have had you take the time to come over here and and sit down and shoot the shit with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks, man. And thank you all so much for, for holding the space and being there and listening. Uh, this podcast wouldn't exist if it wasn't for all of you. And so, uh, 
that's it. We'll be back next week. And, and in the meantime, uh, we would absolutely love your support. If you could head on over to Apple podcasts and, and leave a rating and a review and hit the subscribe button so we can continue to have these kinds of conversations and more people can hear them. And if you want to support us further, you can head on over to patreon.com slash sick boy. Yeah, do that. <laughs> do that. That's it's easy, easy as that. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.